Welcome back to Talking PFAS Podcast. I'm a journalist and your host, Kayleen Bell. For the next several weeks, I'll be bringing you episodes recorded at the International Cleanup 2022 conference held in Adelaide mid-September. The heads of EPAs of Australia and New Zealand known as HEPA, are about to release the draft PFAS NEMP version 3.0 for public consultation. The NEMP has had over 27,000 unique downloads and unique page views from over 50 countries. In NEMP 3.0, various areas requiring attention left over from NEMP 2 have been grouped under themes, and each theme is led by a jurisdiction in Australia. In brief, theme one is the PFAS family led by Queensland, which will focus on international approaches to grouping. Theme two is environmental data and monitoring, which is led by Victoria and Queensland. Theme three is water, led by South Australia, and will focus on risk-based criteria and guidance for beneficial reuse of biosolids. Theme four is soil, which is led by New South Wales and focuses on PFAS behaviour in soil, including leaching and guideline values. Theme five is resource recovery and waste, led by Western Australia, which will focus on management of risks associated with PFAS in resource recovery products. Theme six is site-specific guidance, which will be led by the Commonwealth, and it has three projects operating under it. The first is a new section on approaches to remediation and management, and Dr. Sarah Broomhall is the theme lead for that piece of work. The other two areas the Commonwealth will be responsible for is guidance on approaches to dealing with water from construction activities and then guidance on marine sediments. And Dr. Sarah Broomhall's co-presenter at the on the Monday session was Dr. Sean Thomas, who is a principal advisor for wastewater in South Australia EPA. And he's my special guest today. And Dr. Thomas is involved in the National Chemicals Working Group, which works under HEPA and works on the NEMP. His main interest in PFAS is in biosolids. Now to today's discussion with Dr. Sean Thomas from South Australia EPA. Hi Sean, nice to talk to you at the Cleanup 2022 conference in Adelaide. Could you please introduce yourself and who you work for and your interest in PFAS? Thank you, so I'm Dr Sean Thomas. I work for the South Australian EPA. I'm actually a principal advisor in the wastewater area and my interest in PFAS is that I'm involved in the National Chemicals Working Group, which is works under HEPA and works on the NEMP. So your PFAS interest, where is it mainly centred? My main interest in PFAS is in biosolids and how we better manage the potential concentrations of PFAS in biosolids. So what's EPA's role in South Australia with PFAS? So the EPA's role with PFAS is that we contribute to the NEMP, and I probably should define the NEMP. So the NEMP stands for the National Environment Management Plan, and it's the document that all states and territories and the Commonwealth have worked on to provide guidance on how to best manage PFAS contamination. Now, is this a guideline or is it mandatory? It's guidance information that's put out through the heads of EPAs Australia, and it's designed to help inform regulators about the standards to meet, but it's also designed for consultants and auditors and industry to make sure they understand, I guess, what government's expectations are. But it is guidance information to be taken up by regulators in different states and territories. So it sounds like it's a bit of a gold standard of environmental management? It sets the standard and it sets the criteria for entities to assess sites against, but also gives them the targets about what they should be trying to meet. And do you find that most people 
are treating this document seriously and, and doing the right thing when it comes to PFAS? Yeah, so the document has been very well received. It's provided a lot of clarity to industry and it's helped government be level and um, consistent in how it's regulating PFAS issues across the country because each state and territory is addressing it in their own environment protection regulation. And so the NEMP has helped provide guidance about how to do that for each state and territory. Now, it's called NEMP 2.0 at the moment, but it was NEMP 1, wasn't it, before? That's right. Or just NEMP? Yep. Correct. And we're about to have a NEMP 3. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so since we released NEMP 2.0, the National Chemicals Working Group has been dealing with some priority issues that we've been looking at, and we recently got approval to release that for public consultation. We're hoping for that to be released soon. It was going to be released last week, but with the Queen's Her Majesty's death in the period of mourning, it's just been delayed for a short period. So we're hoping to be just after the mourning period finishes, it'll be released for public consultation. What has changed even from NEMP 1 to NEMP 2? If, is there any significant changes or are they pretty similar? Or what's changed from NEMP 3 to NEMP 1 even? So each time it's been like an iterative change. Iterative. Yeah, so like a small step for a certain area. So mm -hmm. NEMP 1 was the document that provided a ground basis for why we're doing this, what we're looking to do, what are the outcomes, and was the first set of standards. And then in NEMP 2, we added some extra information in some key areas which we'd not quite been able to do for NEMP 1, but we came through for NEMP 2. And then for NEMP 3, we've identified the next set of priority areas that we think further guidance is needed to help industry understand what our expectations are and provide some more standards for different areas. Yes, because PFAS is a very complex contaminant and also in uh, NEMP 1, I think it was still emerging at that point. The language was it was still emerging. That's correct. And then NEMP 2, we're starting to find out that I imagine that it's in wastewater treatment plants and biosolids that we didn't know necessarily it was there. Am I correct? Well, in NEMP2, we knew that PFAS was likely to be going to wastewater treatment plants, but we hadn't had enough information to be able to come up with some criteria for biosolids. Yeah. And so what we did at the end of NEMP2 was we made a commitment that that would be one of our priority areas of action. And so what we've done is work quite hard on coming up with some criteria for some key PFAS in biosolids. When was the NEMP1 published? We should get a timeline. What year? So NEMP1, I think, was released in 2017 or 18, that sort of time frame. Sounds familiar to me. I've been doing this since 2018. Yep. Might have been 218. I think so. And then when was NEMP 2? So NEMP 2 was 2020. And so we're pretty close to getting a draft of NEMP 3.0 out. And important to note, it's going to be out for consultation. What does that mean, Sean? So that means the draft text that's been put out where look, we're looking to engage with the community. We're looking to engage with stakeholders, with industry, with academia, with consultants, with auditors to get their thoughts and feedback and guidance on the text that we've put in. Excellent. And so that will go out for consultation. So people go to a website for that. What is there a website you could mention? I can't at the moment, but it will be through the Commonwealth's Government's Environment Department website. That's where it's going to be. But once it's out, each state and territory EPA will link to that website. Once it's out, if you go to your local EPA page, you'll be able to find a link to the NEMP 3.0. And then you can make comments or via the process. That's right. And once the comments come in, 
Do you make changes, perhaps? Absolutely. It's going to be a very much a genuine consultation. So we're really inviting people's comments and thoughts. So once the period closes and it's going to be out for about three months, three to four months, we will assess all of the comments. Some of those comments will lead to changes. Some of the comments we might note, we might not necessarily agree with, and then we'll end up having a finalised document that we'll send back to HEPA, so the heads of EPAs and then environment ministers for their approval to publish. And is this something that you think will be a working document? It will continually change and update? I, the plan is, yes. So after NEMP 3.0 is released, it'll be getting close to that five-year period. And I think the five-year period is when we actually do a bit more of a holistic overview of the whole document. So NEMP 2 and NEMP 3 have been targeted pieces of work addressing some gaps in the document. And I think after NEMP 3, we'll be looking to do a more holistic review of what is in the document, what more is needed, do we need to rearrange it, what is the key focus for the NEMP moving forward from NEMP 3. I think it will be a living document, which is a bit of the nature of PFAS. Although PFOS and PFOA are no longer emerging chemicals, there are a range of other PFAS that are emerging in our level of knowledge. So I think it's still a bit of an emerging chemical issue in the sense that there are many PFAS. Have you spoken at this cleanup conference? I spoke on day one and we um, introduced the NEMP 3.0 uh, when we presented. Who, who's we, just so the audience know? Myself and Dr Sarah Broomhall from the Commonwealth Government presented. So Sarah works in the group that's part of the coordinator for the NEMP 3.0. And we presented on the history of the NEMP, where it's come from, its timeline. We also presented on the key areas that have been introduced in NEMP 3.0. And then I went and spoke with some more detail about the biosolids work that we've done in to come up with criteria for PFAS. So a quick overview of what is in the NEMP 3.0. So we've started to talk about how you might assess the chemicals in PFAS more broadly, like the PFAS family. We've given some guidance about ambient monitoring for PFAS. In addition to biosolids, we've spoken to what organic recyclers might need to consider when looking at PFAS. We've also looked at some site remediation guidance, as well as some sediments information. I think that's probably the main areas that have been changed. Okay, what about the waste components of PFAS? Because we do know that it, it ends up in waste streams um, from its use. And we also know that with the circular economy, it might be recycling back through again. Yep. Um, so is that your particular area of interest, the waste? So my particular area of interest is probably the biosolids. In the waste area, what we focused on this time was the organic recovery, organic resource recovery, which is like composting facilities. Mm -hmm. So we've provided some guidance for composters and for governments about how they might assess the risk of PFAS contamination going into the compost stream and minimise those risks. Great. I did spoke to someone earlier that has a technology for that. Okay, yep. Yeah. yep. It's very important because a lot of people are worried about what they're putting on their home gardens too now. That's right. They've become aware because we don't know when we buy our bag from Bunnings whether it came from biosolids. Quite right. I've heard from people they would like more warnings on products or labels on products. Does EPA do any of that? We're not particularly. I think with compost... There's more of an Australian standard for compost and that really dictates how that's managed, although each state and territory can do it a bit different. Biosolids is a bit different. Often biosolids, 
is used as a fertiliser on its own, not necessarily in compost. And it might be worth me explaining what biosolids are. Yes, I think so. So biosolids are a byproduct from wastewater treatment plants. So wastewater treatment plants are the plants that receive the effluent from all of our houses, as well as some industrial processes. And a byproduct is the sludge that comes from the wastewater treatment plants. And biosolids are when sludge has been stabilised and characterised and deemed if it's fit to be used as a organic residual, as a fertiliser for land spreading. And by that, visually, isn't it just like dumped in a big mound somewhere to dry out and then that happens? Effectively. So most biosolids treatment is um, windrowed in a mound and it's left for a period from one to three years. And that's mostly to reduce the biological risk in the sludge. In the handling of it. That's right. And then what they do is they sample the biosolids to understand what contaminants are there. And once they've assessed the contaminants, it then deems what it's fit for use for. Because don't microbes eat the nasties in the mound? Not PFAS, of course. Some nasties can break down. Some can be from microbes. Some of them, like heavy metals, don't break down. And others, like PFAS, doesn't break down either. Yeah. So then it's assessed. Yes. And so each state and territory already has guidance about how biosolids need to be managed, but only one state at the moment has guidance about PFAS. Which state is that? So that's Queensland. So Queensland has a criteria for PFAS. Why do you think Queensland's the only one with this? It's a good question. I'm not sure. I think they've just been a bit ahead of the game, whereas the rest of us have been slowly catching up. And so what we've done to go into NEMP3 is to try and take a body of knowledge, and that's captured some of what Queensland's done, but it's also captured some other work around the country to come up with some criteria for what are the big three PFAS. So we're proposing some criteria for PFOS, PFHXS, and PFOA. There's a lot of contamination with those. Absolutely. They're the historical and the big three. The big three. Although there are certainly other PFAS that are present. Yeah, and, and others that we're discovering, right? That's right. So anyway, focusing on the big three, so there will be information in NEMP3 about the big three right. and biosolids. That's right. What do you think the biggest challenge is regarding PFAS in biosolids at the moment? I think having some criteria is an excellent step in the right direction because it's going to provide some clarity for the water utilities, so the companies that manage wastewater treatment plants, about what they need to be managing towards. And I think it will have them looking with much more detail and rigour at where are the sources in their wastewater catchments of PFAS and whether can they manage them in a better way. So if there are trade waste discharges, so that's often an industrial company that has a trade waste discharge to sewer, they might start looking with more detail at what PFAS is present in those trade waste discharges. Like electroplating? For example, or it could be some textile manufacturers, because textile coatings, sometimes if there's a waterproofing there, that could have PFAS. There's also maybe paper companies. Paper mills? Yeah, paper mills, or even companies that take paper and make paper products, they could possibly incorporate PFAS as well. Do airports have their own wastewater treatment plants? I know Defence does sometimes. Defence can sometimes. I don't think airports do. I think they probably just connect to the general sewer lines. Okay, so Queensland has quite good regulation, you'd say? Mm, that's right. What's going to be needed to for the other states to follow suit? So I think the NEMP3 and the changes in NEMP3 are the big step in the right direction that we're looking for. 
So it has some criteria there for those PFAS that I mentioned. That's what's out for consultation. And what we're hoping is once NEMP3 is finalised, each of the other states and territories will pick that up and incorporate that into their biosolids guidance. And in that way, we will have some more consistency and some clearer outcomes about how to best manage the impacts from PFAS in biosolids. So do you think it will become mandatory in the future? I think the way the NEMP has been done is it's never mandated something. But what we've done is we've put criteria and guidance in and every state and territory has adopted it because it is seen as, I guess, the best practice and it's a consistent approach to regulation. And it's true that a lot of corporations and organisations need to have an environmental statement in their reports, right? Their annual reports? Yep, a lot of them do, especially those that are on the ASX. And people are requiring that of them now? I think there's much more of a social licence required of industry to demonstrate that they're managing their wastes and managing their processes and minimising their impacts to the environment. Why do you think they would be motivated to follow the NEMP? I think there's a few different layers. So I think for water utilities, they will now have a level with which they need to demonstrate they can meet. And so there'll be an impetus to them to start working with the companies that discharge to their sewers. Government will also start having conversations with the companies that are using products that have PFAS in them to try and get them to phase them out because the best way to manage this is probably more through source control rather than trying to treat the effluent once it's gotten to the wastewater treatment plant. So if we can reduce the PFAS getting into the sewer, that should lead to a better environmental outcome. Great. And then people that are using it, if they know that it can end up in wastewater treatment plants and biosolids and they don't want to deal with that they've got that choice to deal with it at the source. That's right and I think when you start looking at PFAS it's, it's a large group of chemicals and it's very useful but there are other chemicals that could be used often for those purposes so there's been an interesting question and it's been raised at this conference PFAS should really only be used when it's absolutely essential right if there are alternatives we really should be looking for alternatives to PFAS and making sure that those alternatives don't have some of the nasty characteristics of PFAS being persistent and bioaccumulative and toxic. So if we can find less harmful alternatives, we'll end up with a, um, a cleaner and less harmed environment. Okay, and wastewater treatment plants, what sort of regulations exist there to update their systems to be able to treat PFAS and its precursors in the wastewater stream? So I think probably most wastewater treatment plants don't have clear regulations at the moment. And so this is where I think the biosolids guidance is going to be very useful because it's going to be the first time that most plants will now have an understanding of what their compliance outcomes are, what their levels they need to try and meet, and that will help them look at what their processes are. And they often look at it like a treatment train approach. And you go, where's the best point to intervene? So I think they'll be looking at where is the best point for them to intervene in their process. And this is where the source control is possibly the best way, because I think to retrofit a treatment facility at the back end of a wastewater treatment plant is going to be very expensive. So I think if there's more effort at the source control, you'll probably get a better return for less cost, especially for the big water utilities. And do you think the federal government should be helping wastewater treatment plants manage this PFAS issue? I think what federal government has been doing quite well is it has been doing some work. So another document that I haven't mentioned yet is the the intergovernmental agreement on managing PFAS contamination. And in that document, it has a national PFAS position statement. It's very useful because it identifies that PFAS are a suite of chemicals of concern. 
restaurant. We have the NEMP and we have Criterion, the NEMP for the big three, but there are many other PFAS and that over time we think as we learn more, we will try to be phasing out more than just the big three. And so that document talks to work that government is trying to do to have industry look to voluntarily phase out the use of PFAS chemicals in their products and processes. But it also talks to some regulation that's being developed at the moment through the Commonwealth and will be in implemented through states and territories that's trying to address industrial chemicals as well. So um, are you positive about the outlook for PFAS in waste in the waste industry, the wastewater treatment plants and biosolids, are you positive that we're going to see some great improvements? Say, in two years' time, when I see you at Clean Up 2024, do you expect that we would have had some good advances? I do, because I think Queensland is a really informative case study. So Queensland's had its criteria for two, three years and it's worked constructively with its major water utilities. It's been a really good driver for them to start looking at the sources in their catchments. I think once the NEMP3 is out, we will start having that conversation nationally and we will start reducing the inputs into the system, which will start reducing the load of PFAS going through wastewater treatment plants. So I do think we'll get a good environmental outcome. Definitely there's more attention on wastewater treatment plants and biosolids than when I first started this podcast, 2018. I think there's been a lot of attention in them more broadly, but only more recently when it's come to PFAS. Yes, I interviewed Christy Gallen in episode 17 about PFAS in floodwaters, wastewater treatment plants and biosolids. But back then there weren't too many people looking at it. No, that's right. I think some of her work was probably some of the first in the country that was looking systematically at um, PFAS in all of those sources. Okay, so is there anything you think we've forgotten or neglected to talk about? I don't think so. I think that's the main aspect and I would really encourage any of your podcast listeners once the NEMP 3.0 is out for consultation to have a look. We do invite comment from anyone. So if you're interested in it and you've looked at it and you've got some information or knowledge to help share, very much open to people contributing because I think the more input we have, the better document we'll get at the end of the day. One question that comes up with me time and time again when I speak to community people that have been impacted by PFAS, definitely more than the rest of us, they say to me, nobody's doing anything about PFAS. And, and clearly that's not true. We're at a conference with so many sessions on PFAS that we can't possibly attend them all. What sort of message would you like to say to the general population that might be concerned that it's all talk and there's really no action? I think I'd say that government is trying to address the problem. We're aware of the issues. The NEMP was government's way of coming together and working collaboratively to set some standards. And I think the fact that we're up to NEMP 3.0 in only four years shows that we see it's an issue, we know it's emerging, and we're working hard, one, to provide clarity to industry, but also to assist the environmental regulators to better manage contaminated sites, to reduce the level of contamination and to get better environmental outcomes. Yeah, it's good to see EPA is doing, I guess, preventative action because typically you'll, you'll go in when there's a problem that has already, you know, emerged or been someone's been notified in the media there's a problem and you go in. But it's nice to see that you're doing preventative work. Is that new for the EPA? EPAs have always had some level of activity there, but especially in this space, 
we're pretty keen and we're having to do it with all EPAs because it's not just an individual state conversation. It's actually a national conversation about where is PFAS coming into the country, where is it in products or articles and how do we better manage that. So it's not just an EPA conversation, it's actually all of the EPAs and the Commonwealth conversation about how better do we reduce the sources of PFAS. Thank you, Sean. It's been fascinating talking with you. I'm so glad that EPA have finally jumped into the podcast and shared some of the good work you are doing on PFAS. Thank you very much for being the first. Is there anything else you would wish to add before we close? No, I think we're all good. Thanks for the conversation. Thank you so much. Cheers. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. When published, the draft PFAS NEMP version 3.0 will be released on the Department of Climate Change, Energy, the Environment and Water website. There will be a Have Your Say link and consultation will be open until the 20th of December 2022. The consultation process will be similar to the process undertaken for NEMP 2. And Dr. Broomhall said because the work is led and owned by all the jurisdictions, the consultation processes will be led in each state and territory by that environment agency and authority, with the Commonwealth as the national coordinator. She also stated at the cleanup conference session that after close of consultation, they will bring in all of the feedback that came in through the consultation sessions and through the Have Your Say link on their website and all that information will be considered carefully. A final version of NEMP 3.0 is then expected to go forward to the heads of EPAs for agreement and environment ministers sometime in 2023. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion with Dr Sean Thomas. The next episode of Talking PFAS will be another discussion from Clean Up 22 conference in Adelaide and this will publish on Thursday, the 6th of October. I'll be bringing you a discussion about a very promising PFAS remediation and destruction method, which has also been used to destroy leftover stocks of concentrated PFAS. Please share today's episode on your social media sites and wherever you share your podcasts. Please remember, all information in today's episode is copyright. Please contact me for reuse permissions at talkingpfas at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.